Welcome back to Identify. This is your lovely host, John. And Paul. Paul's still here. He's hanging out. So, uh, how, was your, how was your week? Oh, my week wasn't bad. Lots of working. Um, the weekend was busy, but uh, it, was, it was a good one. We, uh, swim season started back up. My eldest daughter swims competitively. So we will be spending a lot of time at the pool again. And my youngest, who is mm-hmm. uh, f- four months old, is starting to teeth a little bit uh, more aggressively. So teeth will be coming in. Nice. Nice. I, uh, I learned this week that when you post hype pictures on Instagram of a word spelled out, if you spell it out forwards on Instagram... It is spelled out backwards on your page. Yes, I also learned that and had some people that were very confused, <laughs> and I could not figure out what they were talking about I, for the longest time. I had two friends get a hold of me like within two hours of each other and be like, hey, if you're trying to spell out this word, it's, it's backwards. <laughs> so, that is so funny. So to my friends... I just had no friends that could figure it out, actually. If you, if you go to identify.podcast on Instagram you will see it spelled out correctly along with a picture of our logo and we'll be posting episodes, I think, on there. I'll have to come up with some clever way to post art affiliated with the episodes. We're talking about postmodernism today, so I don't really know I don't really know how to how to do oh, that. I'm sure I, something I, will I, come I should just put a blank white canvas with letters that say you choose what goes here. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Something very abstract. <laughs> wow. That, you could get that up in a gallery in New York, probably. You choose what goes here. <laughs> That's very possible, actually. You could call it postmodern art. Right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and right next to it, a piece that says, tell me what this means. <laughs> well, what it means is you can't be told what it means, though. That's the beauty of it. <sighs> Yeah, and then the third piece would be, don't tell me what this means. <laughs> Maybe you're a better postmodernist than I am, I don't know. This, this means whatever I feel like it means. Right. Regardless of what you think it means. But to you it means something different, regardless of what I think it means. Right, but to both of us it's an important piece. I should probably just Instagram a Picasso. Yeah. See, Picasso's a really interesting duck, let me tell you. Cubism is a, is a very interesting art form. Really? You know more about art than I expected. I have very diverse knowledge base. Which is code for mom made me take art appreciation in high school. Believe it or not, I still listen to art podcasts. Really? I do. This is a part of your life I didn't know about. I listen to art podcasts, albeit there are not very many good ones, unfortunately. Hmm. I have yet to find one that I quite enjoy. They are mostly pretty dry. There's not a lot of really exciting people in the art world. It's kind of sad. <laughs> well, the exciting ones have a tendency to off themselves, unfortunately. There's a long history of suicides among artists. It's a that is very sad true. legacy. 
I do watch a YouTube video of some folks that are um, sailing and Ooh. making music as they sail. And they're artists, um, more musical artists, but some of them are actually like, like do graphic style artists or hmm. uh, so. Yeah. Sounds interesting. More of diverse things that I like to entertain my mind with. Mm-hmm. Also, interestingly enough, this week, I learned more about podcasting and how much I have no idea what I'm doing. Oh, gosh. Um, but uh, we figured it all out, found out yes. that Apple likes to screen everything and that they are very slow with their review times. Apparently. So sorry for the uh, head fake on Instagram. Um, part of that is Paul is handling the like behind the scenes stuff, and I am doing a lot of like so the social media stuff, and was like, oh, it's ready. Oh wait, it's not ready. Oh wait, I already posted on Instagram that it was. Um, for the record, it was ready. <clears throat> it was uploaded. I just right. didn't realize that. Apple reviews them for as long as they do because the, right. the the thing that I read said it would take several hours or up to seven days. And uh, I, yeah, that's a very wide window that's a as wide, to how long it takes window. for a review. Yeah, no, just, that, was, that yeah. was definitely like a push and pull with Apple. Of that just wasn't what we expected. But we've got it now, and I think it gives us an idea of how to time that going forward. So we're just, we're just learning by trial and error over here. It's pretty dope. I find it very entertaining that you're the one with the audio engineering degree and I'm the one who has to mix these. I, I was an audio engineering major for a semester. <laughs> That's a big difference. That probably but still makes you more qualified is, than me. <laughs> I mean, yes, but your Paul's computer is much newer than mine. So the compatibility issue would be real if I was trying to edit it. And I totally would if I could. Um, given that I don't have three kids and I generally have a lot more time on my hands. I read about half of a book today. I mean, wow. it's, it's pretty nerdy and it was, it was a pretty good way to spend my day. I've not read half a book in one sitting. I don't know how long. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't quite Actually. half a book, but it was most of half a book. <laughs> wow. It's a good book. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, do we want to get into the subject matter at hand? See yeah, what sure. we can knock off in uh, 20, 25 minutes to tickle people's ears, but not tickle people's ears, which is what's already been done, which is how we got into this mess is a lot of tickling of ears. See, I'm following what you're saying, and all I keep imagining in my head is a bunch of people going around churches giving each other wet willies, but maybe, <laughs> maybe I need to have some kids. Help me grow up a little. Like, you well, know, welcome to be my a brain. Very interesting sermon illustration. Be like, <laughs> instead of just look over to the person next to you and just tell them that God loves you. Be like, for my sermon this morning, I would need everybody to turn to your left and wet Willie, your neighbor. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I think it would be a sermon people would remember. Yep, they they would they have a hard time forgetting it. Your, there we go. Your dad here you is go. so on point. I'm not going to try to compete. Um, <laughs> so today we're going to talk about postmodernism, <laughs> which is a hard left turn from what we were just talking about. <clears throat> and um, 
real, real, real different. Uh, so I guess what is postmodernism is kind of the most helpful place to start. How do you, how do you define postmodernism? I think postmodernism in all reality to its small, uh, broken down to its smallest parts would be relative truth. Okay. So for all of us who were not homeschooled and didn't grow up in like Christian families or the conservative, slightly apologetics leaning family that ours was, what does that mean? What is relative truth? Okay. I would say, if you, to break it down a little bit more then, truth is, if truth has no basis in reality, it only has basis in what you feel. So your feelings are actually your truth, and truth is super supersedes, or feelings supersede any uh, truth. So you're saying that, by your definition, postmodernism is like the philosophical equivalent of credit, where things are based on nothing as opposed to based on gold or, you know, something with tangible value. That might be a stretch of my understanding of economics, but that was the best illustration I could think of. Okay, well, that was not a good version of economics. I will fix that uh, (laughs) version of economics, seeing that I have taken business classes and run businesses and not quite the way the dollar works. I'm the audio engineer. You're the economist. Let's switch hats um, here. We could use it with that uh, in that the what you can say is that the dollar is uh, valued valued against gold, but not actually um, guaranteed by gold. So when they removed the gold standard back in, I believe it was the 60s, the, the dollar became basically a statement of promise, um, not fixed upon gold. So the value of the dollar can now move according to the whims of the stock market and the feds, which is actually not part of the federal government, but is a group of very wealthy uh, businessmen who control how much the value of the dollar is worth by controlling how much currency is in the market and by controlling how much money is actually being printed at a given time. So... In order to stay on subject, I'm going to ignore all of the parts of that that fascinated me and pretend that it made sense to me as it relates to postmodernism <laughs> um, and hope that the listeners understood it better than I did. Maybe we can do something on the Fed, the federal government later, and the Fed, uh, there was, Federal Reserve. That could be interesting. There's some, something about the like wealthy businessmen as opposed to the actual federal government got my wheels turning, but I don't want to go down that rabbit trail. Not right now. So... I think my definition of postmodernism would probably be something similar. Um, I don't re- actually. I don't know how it would be different. Um, basically, it's just the idea of it's kind of all of the layers of the thought of what works for you works for you, and what works for me works for me, and that there isn't like one ideology that is one hundred percent right. And they are. See, that's the English major coming out right there. Ideology. <laughs> it doesn't turn off. Um, so, why, why do people espouse this then? I guess because it's, I mean, it doesn't seem unappealing. What works for you works for you. What works for me works for me. I mean, that kind of gives me the, the liberty to 
choose what I want to believe, whether you disagree with it or not, and stick with it, and then it seems like, though, that that liberty for people's beliefs to be protected from uh, prejudice has actually resulted in a culture where no one is allowed to challenge what other people believe. It, it really just, it protects, it protects everyone's beliefs from any kind of dissent. It's true. Which kind of begs the question of whether a dissent is always bad. And it's like we, I feel like we live in a society that believes that dissent is always bad. Um, I just don't know that I espouse that. And then especially if we're talking about Christianity being the main subject, how do we tie that in with postmodernism? I think that's kind of the tricky thing with, uh, with Christians. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at today is, um, what is postmodernism? How does it relate to Christianity? How are they different and how are they similar? But also how, how is it that one can end up functionally a postmodernist and claim Christ? And how does, how does that happen? And, and, and does that work or is that oil and water? And so I think I would venture um, to say there's lots of postmodernists in I mean, the church, you, whether they identify as such oh, or yeah. not. I think um, experientially they um, are postmodernists, and I would venture to say that there's multiple pastors uh, that are preaching from pulpits that are postmodernists. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there are whole denominations that are built on postmodernist ideology. Quite likely, now. yes. I can think of a couple. Or are, or are taking steps towards it. Um, but can you really be a Christian and think, be a postmodernist? I think. Can you really hold both of those things? I think it depends on your definition of Christian at that point. I think the 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 type. Right. A Christian that you and I are thinking of or experienced, um, the two don't mix. But I think that there are uh, schools of thought where the two could interact and coexist. Mm-hmm. So, for the sake of our notes and not losing track of them completely, we'll start with the first thing you said, and then we'll get to the second thing you said. So... What do you what do you think is the discrepancy there between Christianity and postmodernism? I would say where they don't agree, uh, Christianity is based yeah. upon a solid, unmovable truth, um, and it starts out. I mean, the entire start of the book is about a truth. In the beginning, God, right, and that 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 truth is par- is paramount for all other truth. And so in postmodernism, whether or not you believe in God is entirely up to you. And it's not a requirement to believe in God. Um, In fact, part of the concept and the idea of postmodernism is broad skepticism in all things. And because God cannot be proved with science, he oftentimes in pure postmodernism it is an impossibility uh, to be to, to for them to believe in. Hmm. I mean, I think 
it seems like in Christianity, though, we're not required to believe in God, that the, that that part is still a choice. It seems like more like, to me at least, and more like that in postmodernism, um, the issue is that God can be whatever you want him to be because you get to make the definitions and decide what's true. It's true. I mean, that's quite possible. And what you, def- what you see as God or what, what version of God you like, um, whatever, what version of God yeah. makes you feel comfortable is the version of God that you can worship. Sure. Whether or not that's actually based scripturally yeah. I mean, or I- uh, is completely indiscriminate. Sure. I mean, I like the version that looks like the ghost of Christmas past. Or was it future? Was it present? It was present. The big fat guy was just surrounded by food. I don't remember that like one. Like Santa Claus, but a ginger. See, the issue is is that I don't get to watch a lot of movies, and I just don't watch a lot of movies. <laughs> but Miriam, <laughs> i.e. my wife, for those who are listening and don't know who that is, um, she's the movie person. So any and all movie references, I pretty much have to she, run through her, and she knows what know. I'm talking about. So okay. I would not be helpful with for you on so, this one. Well, joke was lost on Paul. Hopefully, somebody out there. Somebody out there, email us, <laughs> right? Instagram us, tell us. Which one is? I which think it's one, present. Which I think one I got needs it all the, the first food? Times. Is it the present? I, because I think he's the one who just disappears. Anyway, joking aside, I, I think that I'm, I'm tracking with you. I think I would probably just fall on slightly different um, biblical references for why Christianity and postmodernism don't jive. Um, mainly that the idea of relative truth, it isn't in the Bible and the Bible actually doesn't support that notion at all. And also the fact that biblically truth isn't a choice or something we conceive of, uh, truth is a person. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. So... The whole idea of truth as a concept is faulty when looking at it from the biblical perspective. So then the issue that some would run into then is that if truth is a person and people are always changing, why does truth not change? Well, that gets into the difference between the person of God and the person of you and me. It's very true. So you know, then, both then, both persons, but one divine and one human, uh, would be the short answer there. Without getting too far ahead of ourselves, well, even the personhood of God. See, there there was there was God who was son of man, and there was God who was son of God. Jesus, who espoused both, because he called himself both when he was on on earth. So mm-hmm. he was a hundred percent God, hundred percent man. So when he said, "I am right. the truth." Was he speaking as son of man or son of God? Does it matter? Well, if he was talking as son of God, then it's something that he wouldn't change because God doesn't change. If he was talking as son of man, then he could change. So, but Jesus speaks as both, but does he delineate between his humanity and his divinity? Never definitively. So, 
so if he if he refers to himself as both, is that like is that necessarily delineation in the following statements? Because I don't I don't I don't see him. It could be. I just don't see him explicating any kind of clear difference between I'm doing this as a human who is not divine and I'm doing this as a divinity who is not human. It's true. It's definitely something we could play around with later. You know, it's like, cause I think that at any point, even in, uh, even on the cross as his body died, even on the Mount of Transfiguration, as his spirit was revealed, I, I mean, I don't, I don't see Peter, James and Paul those are the wrong guys, Peter, James, and John, um, not, not recognizing his face when he transfigures, which is different than him appearing post-resurrection as spirit once his body is right. gone. And multiple times he's not recognized. And I also don't see, could you actually say he, he gives up his spirit on the cross. So up until that point, it presumably was with right. him. So it seems that no matter what he's doing, the the God is in the man and the man is in the God or something like that. Like Jesus, Jesus, son of man is in Jesus, son of God, and Jesus, son of God is in Jesus. Son yeah, of he's 100 percent both simultaneously. He's a 200 percent man. <clears throat> Which would mean that truth as an unchanging thing based on his humanity is inseparable from truth. Sorry, truth as an unchanging thing based on his divinity is is still present regardless of his humanity. You know, at what point could the humanity ever trump the divinity? Right. And it can't, but in the old Testament it did, but that's a whole nother thing. I mean, true, but he's in the old Testament, but he brought, brought a new covenant in the, he brought a new covenant. Right, so I think we're we agreeing are. here. I believe. I think we're just. I think we're just going back and forth about uh, how we just, agree. We're just playing with so different ways to... of it and not actually getting to the subject at hand. <laughs> so postmodernism is really flipping popular. Very popular. Appar- apparently, how? why is it popular? Because it's it's easy and yeah, it's 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 easy. Like you can, you, it doesn't require anything of you because True. if your truth becomes uncomfortable. You just change it, right? And if you don't, it's, if you don't um, like that pair of uh, <clears throat> pants that day, you wear a different pair of pants. One day, I love yoga pants. The other day, I'm jeans today. It's whatever, whatever makes you comfortable for that day. I love yoga pants all day, every day. For the record, I actually don't own a pair of yoga pants. I don't either. I just I heard a comedy bit about this dude wearing his wife's yoga pants, and I have ever since been fascinated with the idea of trying some on just to see how comfortable they are because that's all I hear about them. And I just haven't um, I haven't sprung for uh, a pair. I'm pretty sure we just lost some listeners. <laughs> yep. yep. There are vi- there are listeners right now. Mainly the ones who that, know that me well enough to like have a mental picture of me in yoga pants in their head. Right now. Listeners, <laughs> I mean, John, and they're all just like, oh no, no, no. Pause, pause, skip, 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 skip. <laughs> Can we skip ahead yep, ten that's seconds? That's what's happening right now. <laughs> so, oh man. So I and I think. I think all of I think all of this conversation is important because postmodernism is kind of the it's the going philosophy of the day. 
I think I said that at the end of the last podcast. This is like this postmodernism is what drives most picket lines in in the U.S. It's it's what drives most a whole bunch of social media tirades and social movements and lots of people who are frustrated with the church and with Christianity and are fed up are are landing in postmodernism and to to their credit some with good cause right i mean i say that not as an accusation against those who have um simply as an assessment because i don't i don't blame them i've I, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think there's there's good reasons for for those who have left the church to have left, um, for those who have left the faith to have left. And do you want to just jump to the song? Yeah, this song's super curious. Right? So John has brought to my attention because John is in Nashville, where oh, all gosh. the music lies. I, I was at work and it played on the radio <laughs> at work, and. Unfortunately, what I do for a living, we actually really don't listen to radios because, uh, believe it or not, in commercial construction, because of the environments I work in, they usually don't let us play the radio. So I don't listen to listen to a lot of modern music. Yeah, there's a lot of offices around us and people who are actually conducting business. And so us playing music is a bad, doesn't really work very well. So, And I... Hope that we don't get a phone call from Warner or something, because I, I realize that I, I don't know if it's actually okay to, to say the lyrics. Um, I'm sure you can say some of the lyrics. I don't know. Again, if KFC doesn't call us, Warner probably won't either. True. Um, <laughs> wait, did you keep that part in the last episode, or did you edit it out? <laughs> no, it's. I think I think the KFC is still okay. there. Well, if if not, then we're making a reference to... Just, just trust us, listeners, that Something it was fine. Something that doesn't exist, <laughs> right? So, I found this song, and it to me it, it really poignantly illustrates the dynamic of like what's going on in the church and in Christianity, and the tension um, with people who are in postmodernism, and kind of how this whole thing happens. Because I mean, there's also kind of the question of, well, if you grow up in the church and you're told that. Jesus is the truth, and well, how do you end up in a place of believing that whatever I believe is the truth is the truth, you know? And I think it's a lot of people experiencing no-win situations, and that's what this song talks about. It's like, if you save yourself for marriage, you're a bore. If you don't save yourself for marriage, you're a horrible person. And, like, there's this this playfulness to the to the lyric, and you're like, but I know exactly what this person's talking about. And it's just that double bind of like, if you go to church all the time, or if you don't go to church, then you're going to hell. And if you do all the time and you're really committed to it, then you're self-righteous. And it's like, someone is going to judge you no matter what side you pick. So you're screwed right. either way. It's uh, And that's one of like yeah. the pre-chorus is like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And that's what a lot of people are... <clears throat> That's what a lot of people are have experienced, 
And it's basically the chorus of this song essentially says, because you're down if you do, you're down if you don't, just follow your truth, essentially. And I think that that is the situation that a lot of people have been in. Um, And they've experienced that, that double bind of, it doesn't matter if I do all the right things, someone's going to tell me that I'm some legalistic jerk. And it doesn't matter if I do all the wrong things because some legalistic jerk is going to tell me that I'm going to hell. So I might as well just wash my hands of the whole, the whole, the whole fight and not pick a side. And postmodernism seems to be right. like an ideological way of not having to pick a side. It's fluid. You know? You just go with whatever. Right. And I think that there are a couple things. Um, do you want to get into these two things here? Kind of at the bottom of the notes? Well, some thoughts that come to me on this is actually two twofold. Right. I think there's a difference between selective truth or relative truth and revealed truth. Mm. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about the fact that, um, you know, some are allowed to do this and some are, some have grace to do that and some have grace to do this and some have grace Ooh. to do that. And, and you're not to, you're not to look down on your brother because they have a different grace than That's you so do. Good. And, and I think that postmodernist Postmodernism um, is a abuse, or that's taken to an extreme. Mm. That that idea taken to extreme. But what what Paul is talking about is maturity, right. and what we're seeing in the church today is a lack of maturity. Because oh immaturity brings self righteousness. Immaturity brings judgment um, upon those who are still growing and learning. And until you have maturity. Mature believers. The entire earth is groaning for mature believers. That word in the Greek actually is mature sons Mm -hmm. in Romans. And so there's a groaning for that thing. And because that thing, there's, there's so much immaturity in the church. Even believers that have been believers for 30 and 40 years still have enormous layers of immaturity to get worked through because of the the, the, the sad state of the filters and philosophies that they have espoused, which has kept them locked in immaturity. And we have created a church situation where immaturity is allowed to run rampant and is considered to be something amazing because if, if, you're imma- if I'm immature and I'm a leader, I don't want anybody to be mature right. because then I'm threatened. Right. Yeah, people, it's like people in the church are actually getting praised for things that exhibit spiritual immaturity, such as um, being really good at being religious. I, I experienced that. I, before I Me too. burned out on the game, I felt like I um, played it pretty well for a while and was pretty good at seeming like I had it all together, even though I didn't at all. And was not being honest and not being vulnerable about about what was really going on in my world and wasn't even like attached to it. I 
seemed like I had it all together and I performed well and I got praised for performing and encouraged to continue performing. And that's actually spiritual immaturity. Exactly. And I, exactly. I love too what you talk about maturity, what you say about maturity, because it illustrates that like part of the draw of postmodernism, which I think is something we forgot to talk about, which is a note you made, which is genius, is how are they similar? And I think um, it's what you just said that there is truth in postmodernism. It's just not the whole truth. And there, and I think it's that nugget of there are some things that I have grace for that you don't. And that there are some things that you have grace for that I don't. And that's actually part of what God designed us for. And there's maybe going to be some things that you need to stay away from that don't trigger me or pull me into sin and vice versa. Um, I mean, I could think of people I know who just don't do Lord of the Rings and Lord of the Rings doesn't, doesn't trigger me. Um, but there are lots of things that like, I, I don't do horror movies and I think it's, it's like, or, Ooh, this is a good illustration. I have a friend who is um, a friend here in Tennessee who's really into gaming, and he's really into D&D. Um, and he is aware that Dungeons & Dragons, as like a role-playing um, analog game, can veer hard into the demonic and even elements of witchcraft if you include the demonic and elements of witchcraft in your game in your quest that you're playing, but it doesn't have to. And he actually sees doing Dungeons and Dragons quests that are, that are devoid of those elements, um, as a way of connecting with that subculture and, and the gaming community in order to, in order to bring the kingdom in that place, in order to make connections right. for the sake of the kingdom. But I think that, I'm like I don't I don't know that I quite have a grace for that personally. That might just be an element of interest, but I think that there are lots of people who are like, oh, I feel like like someone, for example, who had played Dungeons and Dragons or like, you know, dabbled with Ouija boards or something as a kid, they might hear that person and go, Oh, I see that what you're doing is great. But for me that triggers something in my past that I feel like it could open a door for me into like going to that dark place again. And I don't want to do that. And so see that person who who's in that position has two options or three, I guess. And one is the option of maturity, which I was just saying of like, Oh, I recognize that what you're doing is something you have grace for that the Lord is using. And I just recognize that I just don't have a grace for the same thing because I don't feel comfortable going there because of things that I, that I did that connect me to that in a, in a bad way. But then there's also right. the immature responses of there could be the postmodernist response of where you are just throwing kind of everything out the window and saying, Oh, well, it must be totally okay. You know, all, all of the ways of doing this, even, even things that, that lead you into, into really dark paths. And then there's the, immature legalistic response, which would be, oh, you 
which is, I think, the experience that a lot of people have had that have led them to postmodernism, the experience that this song talks about, which is the experience of, oh, that thing can be bad, so we must not have any of it at all. Right. And it's well, and I think it's something that you and I have both experienced is we we've definitely grown up in situ and seen and experienced situations where it was totally a baby with the bathwater situation. Right. It's that that theological idea of, oh, dancing can be sexual and lead you towards sin. We can't dance at all. Or secular music can fill your mind with demonic lies. Oh, we can't listen to secular music at all, which I don't know that that was. I don't know that that was necessarily our parents, but that was definitely like a culture that we were. And I don't necessarily around. know that it was an all bad idea. Uh, I think it was an idea that wasn't entirely sussed out fully, yeah. and and well, it became a flat rule instead of a, a a weighing of maturity rule. Right, right. Because immaturity lacks discernment, and maturity has discernment to filter things. Like that. Exactly. To be continued. As you may have been able to tell, this conversation went on longer than we anticipated. We're going to have to break this into two parts. This will be part one, and in two weeks we'll have part two. Thank you for listening to Identify.